Hello, climate change, waking up and taking action one conversation at a time. I'm Amy Kalisher. I'm here with Sarah Bowie. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Amy. I was telling Sarah a moment ago that I've just been really eager to talk to you, Sarah, for a while now, ever since, especially ever since Trump was elected, because I think part of the aim of this podcast is it's simply just to have conversations with people on the topic of climate change and all the surrounding issues. In some cases, that's going to be someone who's in a different place than I am about this. And in some cases, it's going to be nourishing to me because it's someone else who is trying to keep their mind on it in a way that, well, often that's the case. People who are willing to take the time to have a conversation with, with me about climate change are often trying very hard to keep themselves from needing a distraction from this topic. Anyway, so you have been someone who has been a model for me in in that. So I've just really wanted to hear how you're doing and what you're thinking with all that's happened in the last few weeks. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into who you are and what you're doing in the bigger scale, but let's let's start with the personal. How's it going? (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember anything as challenging as this, and you know, in our lives, we go through a lot. Um, I think this is the most disorienting experience I can remember. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if those kinds of ideas about how much it matters is are helpful. Um, we seem to have lived into into something that is uh, is like a great collective shadow that has um, emerged, that has been there for a long time, and that now is just undeniable and is playing itself out. And I find it affects me profoundly on a physical level, mm. on a psychological level, and Um, I'm just working every day to recall all the great resources and um, connections that I have in my life um, that help sustain me anyway, uh, even before this this whole process of the last year and a half or, you know, how much we're looking at, at least a year, that we've seen... um, a, a fear-driven um, process in, in the uh, electorate or part of the electorate growing and a resentment-driven process. And somehow, you know, I don't want to make any quick analyses because I'm not skillful in that way, but, you know, somehow um, this man um, is, is the expression of something that is much greater, you know, the dysfunction of our, of our society as a whole, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's shadow side, yeah, that has taken so many different forms in our economy, in our politics, right. um, and he, he just distills it in a way, I would say that for me as a woman, you know, as a woman of a certain age, close to his age, um, that the the basic dynamic of of a kind of uh, latent violence or violation uh, aggression 
um, that has a sexual dimension to it, the sexual predator dimension, mm -hmm. um, the hypermasculinity dimension, um, is is particularly, uh, as we say in co-counseling, re-stimulating. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. yeah. it's particularly difficult um, because uh, one learned in one's body uh, from youth that these these energies were were dangerous and were disrespectful and um, could do damage and were not trustworthy were not yeah. were to be uh, moved away from maybe you would feel compassion for the being who was suffering in that way but you basically wanted to be sure not to be vulnerable to that kind of aggression mm -hmm. and the fact that that is now um, having this kind of stage um, yeah. and playing out in the forms that it's playing out Ha has a deep visceral impact on me as a person. Hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, How about yourself? <laughs> thank you for asking. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, it it it's almost it's like it's so big in a way in my consciousness that I can't quite recognize its presence. It's almost like you know if you're if you're under the shadow of of something that's so big that you don't see an area where there is no shadow, you don't even realize that, that that's the case. It just looks like a gray day or something like that. Um, I did notice that um, it, it puts me up against, put it this way, it puts me up against assumptions that I have, which in some ways is very positive. For instance, um, an o sense of overwhelm that and a sense of discouragement around women ever taking charge of anything watching what happened the day after the inauguration all over the world and being having a chance to be part of some of that um, <clears throat> and then seeing immediately how shifts happened and I there's a, something that Charles Eisenstein says that talks about he talks about something about like you, you make a change in one place and you don't you, you might not know where that thread connects and what it pulls on the other side of the earth or whatever and and um uh, what I noticed was that the day after that, I remembered all my female. Fr I, you know, I've been talking about how there's there's a lot going on in my family that I, it's been there's been a few traumas that have been um, taking up a lot of space, and it suddenly hit me the day after the march, marches, um, all of the women friends that I have, and that I could reach out to and that could be a resource to me where in the past I would not have, I would have had a knee jerk expectation that, well, they, that their help won't be helpful or something like that. Mm -hmm. Something that has nothing to do with them has to do with my past experience and my past as assumptions and past discouragements. Mm -hmm. But like, but it, but something was broken a little bit open there. And so, so I can see that, the sort of the positive upshot of it, I you know, I it's still the challenge is crazy huge. So it's not like I uh, I think I have a Pollyanna kind of expectation about how this is good. <laughs> it's not good. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Does that answer? That's part of an answer of right. how you know exactly. I mean, I think you have to go through waves of everything. There's there's fear. There's grief. 
there's anger. I'm watching a lot of that now, and people are responding. People are motivated, but they're also coming at it out of an emotional state a lot of the time. There's a lot of, like, let's make Trump feel terrible because that's what he does, you know. Exactly. And maybe we can crush him, you know, his spirit or something. It's like, I don't know that that's the way to go. Yeah, you know, I, you might enjoy, and I've just seen one post, mm. but there's a, a blog by somebody named Empathy Rising, or a blog named Empathy Rising, mm. a Canadian writer, and I don't know if it's he or she, but they are really understanding that uh, this is an opportunity to to see ourselves in this binary dynamic mm. and also to see the underlying traumas, right. cultural traumas from which this is arising. Mm. Um, they assign it to the original um, genocide of the Native people, a slavery as a phenomenon and the Civil War as a phenomenon, that those mm. three traumas are still not processed and that there's still a lot of post-traumatic oh, phenomena across the entire society. In the United States. In, in the United particular. States right. in particular. Wow. Um, and that this is, yet again, another way that unresolved, you know, latent um, distress is arising and that yes as you say we tend to to do the same as we see being done we do the opposite hmm. you know so we see uh, him hating on people so we hate on him you oh, know it's I see. just that yeah. kind of um, uh, mirroring mm -hmm. instead of stepping somehow beyond this dynamic mm -hmm. um which is going to require some compassion. <gasps> the good face you just made. I just should note, any reference to a resource that, that comes up in these conversations, I put in the show notes for the episode. So you can always go to hellocc.info to get all of that. Yeah. It's a, this happened to be a fresh voice. You know how right mm -hmm. now there is so much need for us to, to be... Uh, being inspired and and moving our own conver you know whatever our own is but mm -hmm. the conversation our 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 state needs to be being moved and and inspired and there are so many different ways people are working to try to do that all of us are doing it this yeah. is part of that mm -hmm. very much part mm -hmm. of that Amy thank you mm -hmm. um, and uh, so so just in the last twenty four hours I saw two I would say diametrically. Uh, different approaches. One of them, Chris Hedges, who I certainly respect in many ways, writing a very, very, very dark, as he is prone to do, mm -hmm. analysis of where this is all going, um, which you could not help but know had a lot of truth in it. You can post that as well. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and then this other approach, which is a, is really about our taking more responsibility for our own energy and doing an analysis that's more about human consciousness as a whole and where we might move mm -hmm. um, rather than, than just assuming the worst, which yeah. I hate to say is more what Chris Hedges was doing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he paints some bleak pictures, but they're, they're important. <laughs> they yeah. are important. Yeah. I agree. So, so here's a question for you then. Where is the growing edge for you? right now 
And I don't know if that means something in a psychological vein or in a action vein or in a relationship vein. Um, however it comes to you. Oh, my. That's a challenging question. It really is. Well, in some ways, the growing edge for me is to uh, turn inward and to become more quiet and to do more listening, um, to do more practice. Um, by that, I mean meditation practice and and then, you know, practices like playing my cello <laughs> that that are about a different kind of being present in the world and and working with myself. Um, I also think spending time with people I love and making sure I take time to see people that are important to me and uh, to to be encouraging um, to others to to show up in the ways that I feel both are personal and also professional that are are heartening and that are um, possibly dynamic and building of solidarity. And I have a whole range of professional ways I'm doing that. But I would say the cutting edge for me is to become more quiet uh, for a time. Yeah. And that's, I'm actually going to spend the next month more concentratedly doing that. Hmm. Yeah, I'm lucky to be able to do that. Right. I'm going to sleep enough, for example. <laughs> that's, I've been doing that recently. That makes a difference. It makes a big I, difference. And I think that that makes so much sense because, like, one thing that comes up in my mind is that when you want to help I don't know how to put this into words exactly, but help our 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 world evolve, our our species evolve. You need to listen to a lot of stuff that feels really hard to hear. You know where people are really at sometimes can be discouraging or angering or all those things, or it can feel despairing. But if you have enough of a base of knowing that you have a place to heal and you have a way to nourish yourself and you have people that that are tight with you. All of that makes it possible to keep going back out there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm. I also think, you know, our, our entire situation in terms of climate and, and in terms of politics, I, I haven't actually made this bridge uh, in my own mind uh, explicitly, but, you know, it, it, it is, as you'll see in our film, in the council film, Listening for Signal. Which we'll talk about, by the way, just yeah. to finish you. Yeah. Um, that, that we talk about how the, the entire situation has to do with our disconnection from the natural world and from our natural state of listening, yeah. which, you know, the, a sort of receptivity, a reciprocity mm-hmm. in our relationship to the natural world would not have it be that we are in the situation we're yeah. in in terms of climate because right. we would not have done most of the things that have led to it if we were smelling, sensing, intuiting the implications of our behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, And that has been in our Western culture in particular, in our patriarchal culture, in our um, linear-minded culture, um, progress-oriented, you know, a whole bunch of, of sort of fallacies really yeah. about 
what's possible for the human species mm -hmm. on the planet uh, has taken us into this situation that is not sustainable. Right. One thing that I've personally felt like I've been wanting to challenge is the idea that humans are motivated by profit and that if we didn't have a profit motive, no one would do anything. And it's, it just doesn't make sense. There would be no art if people were motivated only by profit. Um, there would be no, you know, holidays if people were motivated by profit. There would be no parties if people were, you know, unless you're charging admission to your friends and charging your children to raise them. I mean, just that's not, it's not true. And, and profit seems to be the idea that you can get more than someone else by doing certain things or get a bigger share of the pie or something like that it comes out of this idea that there's not enough pie to go around and it's all survival of the fittest and that whole that whole kind of presumption builds the systems that we have and I just feel like oh I don't think I buy that well there is always an understanding that the desire realm yeah. you know is an intrinsic part of human nature you know the buddha mm. understood that and um and it leads to greed you mm. know there's a there's a direct combination mm. there of desiring greed and and so we are i mean it, it, it makes me think as you're saying that that yeah. this whole situation is is our completely kind of catastrophic moment to understand humankind, you know, what it means to be human, um, what it has meant in its most um, creative, gentle, loving, um, beautiful, celebratory of, of being on this planet, this incredible place, this incredible mm. gift of being alive on this planet. And it's also showing up a lot about even our brain um, Science, the science of, of you know our how our brains work, mm. um, and what patterns of human uh, behavior have been traditionally uh, and and over time, and how it's played out in history, and how there's always been an aspect of humanity that's tried to move consciousness along, expand awareness, and there's always been this retrenchment energy, this energy to return to the tribe, mm. you know, to return to othering, um, mm. to return to safety of as perceived, you know, mm. the, this, these sort of um, fundamental questions are all now completely revealed, you know. It's, it's, it's as if there has never been a time where we've been more on the spot mm. to see ourselves. And we may not even get, you know, 10 seconds to do that. Yeah. We don't know. Right. Um, but we're trying. I think a lot of us are yeah. trying to, to be present to what, is, what we really are. And as much as we can understand it, to understand yeah. it, even at the same time that we're trying to, to understand how to be helpful, to be to resist certain things, to work with the the pragmatics or the or the actual playing out of our social structures. Yeah. So let's talk about what you've been doing with the council 
and you know kind of tie in so we mentioned the film and and no context around it so and you said that some of the professional things you've been doing is really geared towards this i think it would be great for people to hear a little bit about what that what that all is great thanks yeah well you know it the good news is that I don't have to say too much because I can send everybody to our two websites okay. and you'll post those. Yes. Uh, the Council on the Uncertain Human Future is one of them. Okay. And I'll talk a little bit about that. And then the other one is a New Earth Conversation, which is the climate initiative here at Clark. Right, we're at Clark yeah. University. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Where we both work together. Yes. <laughs> we're on wonderful things together. So... Um, so the first one came about, I mean, I spent many years uh, as the council the director, uh, yeah, well, I, dealing with dialogue as mm-hmm. part of the work I did as director of the Higgins School of Humanities here. And I also brought together a lot of conversations around environment and sometimes specifically about climate change over those years, which was about nine years. And and from that, at, at, toward the end of that, I was part of a of a large consortium, international consortium of humanity centers, and helped develop the network within that um, called the Humanities for the Environment. And so we got funded from Mellon Foundation, and within that, I had a small grant to create a council on the uncertain human future, which I saw as um, being created in this in this ancient form of council this uh, form of dialogue in which, in very simple ways, you create a a sacred space in which you listen really well to each other and speak from the heart and um, and face, uh, you you set up a a set of prompts that allow the group to go deeply into an inquiry together. And so I convened a group, a group of women, um, 12 women, Uh, to do that together, and all this information is on the website, so I won't go into it in great depth, but just to say that this practice of asking what is taking place, why is it happening, what are the implications of it, um, and how do we wish to conduct ourselves in the face of the grave danger, we're talking about climate change at this Mm -hmm. point. Um, and this has led to a, a fourth question, which is is basically, um, how do we live now for the world we wish to see? Hmm. Um, this practice has been growing. And so it, it we do have the national group, women, um, who are prominent in this work, in their own professional work. And then we've built this conversation, which ha- we've filmed, and we filmed one reunion of it, and now a film has been made from that. And you can also view full sessions of our meeting and council, and we hope that will be inspirational for others to consider doing this kind of practice. Um, But it's also grown, and there's a council that's taken place in Edinburgh. Uh, There's a council that's uh, been convened at the National Center for Atmospheric Research among climate scientists Mm -hmm. um, in Boulder. Uh, There are three faculty councils that have taken place here at Clark and some student ones as well. So the form is still continuing to grow. There are others that are planned and that reunions are now. I just just received a grant to bring together reunions of uh, the three uh, primary councils. Oh, that's great. So, yeah, learn more about it um, on the website. And then it has been a foundation for the work we're doing here at Clark. and that has curricular implications. And again, people can learn more about it um, on 
the website, which has this big section called Visioning a New Earth Community. Um, the reason I'm not going to go into the details of that because they can learn about it on the website, yeah. but but just to say what's behind all of this, you know, I think it's that we really need each other more than ever. We need these communities mm -hmm. that we build in deeper conversation. I found that our council groups really feel like we have each other's back and can reach out to each other and have been doing that, mm -hmm. have a kind of a, a support process that we're in now that we're facing so much more difficult challenges. Um, and so I feel that, that these circles are, are a way forward for us. Right now, they'll be helpful mm. to us. That's great. And yeah. and do you find that there are, I don't know if insights is is, is too fine of a point, but are, are you getting something personally from the experience of them? Are, are they shifting your thinking? Oh, yeah, totally, totally. I think the biggest thing about it is, I mean, first of all, I'm just so blessed because I'm surrounded by, in all the circles that I've been in, all of these councils, by people whose life's work is to do mm. either some very serious dimension of, of this work, for example, trying to save the coral reefs, in the case of Joni Klapis, mm. um, oceanographer. Uh, it just, it varies, and you can see all of that online. But, mm. um, so I, I've been educated very thoroughly to what we're facing and how and why mm -hmm. from the wisdom and, and the great learning that, mm -hmm. that the members of these councils have brought. But I would say that the biggest gift of them is the, um, the deep companionship in facing this unbelievable situation yeah. that we're in that's so it's really I think beyond any of our ability we've talked about this how do we continue how do we face this how do we let it in mm -hmm. um, that's the entire focus of these councils but it's even if you say you're going to do it and you set out to do it and you sit there and do it it's you still don't realize until you're in it until later even how hard this continues to be, to really grasp what is underway and, and to let it alter you in order to be what you need to be in this moment for life itself, for each other, you know, just to be real, really. Yeah, yeah. Just to show up in, as a real person facing where we really are. Right. I mean, what else is there but right. trying to be real, right. you know? Um, and so for me, that's what the council is. Mm. And it, it gives me, has given me on a deeply personal level, on a professional level, you know, just on a spiritual level, it's given me deep company mm. in the in the being real. Yeah, that's great. That yeah. sounds, yeah, that sounds very uh, desirable. Um, <laughs> yeah. So here's a question on a, just on a sort of a, sh a shift, but um, I find myself thinking a lot about, there's so many people in my life who they, they feel bad about climate change. They don't really focus on it. 
because all they can do is feel bad and they feel like, well, why should I absorb more information because I'm just going to feel even worse? And they don't feel they have any power. Um, um, and I think there's two fronts there. One is the front of challenging the idea that you don't have any power. And the other is that when you're not looking closely at it, you don't really see how bad it is. And the urgency isn't there. So I guess I wonder, I guess I wonder when you interact with people, you, I mean, you're, you're so much of your, you know, work and your attention is here and you're, I'm sure you must be interacting with many people who you love who are in that place. And I'm just wondering, what does that go? How does that go for you? And what, what have you figured out there so far? Or what are you struggling with there? Whatever, however you want. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, It's, it's each situation on its own terms, one at a time. Um, I feel as though it had that, that those dear people in my life are part of why I've done what I've done. Because for example, this film, um, my family, my own immediate family, was the first group to see a long version of the film. And none of them were people that really are, are able or, or have looked, let's say, in detail at, mm. at this, even though they know it's lurking. Um, but they watched the film. They gave me some very good perspectives on it. We improved it based on their input. And I feel as though the film has shifted something in my relationship with them and that the film is is a bridge. I think when people watch it, they can see. I mean, it's, it's um, uh, very easy to watch in a sense, but what's being said is not easy. Right. Um, and so I feel as though making the film and also uh, a book project that I'm working on, a reader for the uncertain human future, is my way of, of kind of extending a, a hand. I'm doing it for my sister-in-law. I'm doing it for mm. my close friends in Boston who haven't been able to quite face this, partly because the, the work in the book both raises what's happening, and, and yes, it feels bad, but it also has inspiring dimensions to it. How, you know, how do we live now for the world we wish to see? And so the book as a whole is a kind of, it isn't just a downer, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's an right. invitation. Mm -hmm. And so that's how it's shaped my thinking and my work. But I can't say it's easy, and I, I think when I'm with people who aren't looking at it as intensely as I am. I just kind of float into that level for a while um, because I'm not going to be aggressive about bringing it up, but I am going to make invitations. Mm -hmm. That's great. And I, I may have told you about the, the thing I did with my family a couple years ago. I for Christmas, I sent them, or well before Christmas, I sent, did I tell you this? I don't know. Um, I, and I've mentioned it on the podcast before, so I forgive me if you've heard this. So I sent a message, this was a couple of years ago, um, to my family about Christmas, and I said, this is what I want, your action on climate change. And then I just, I included yes. a little paragraph about, you know, what, why it's serious, and then 
suggested actions, and some of them were just like, you know, read Naomi Klein's book or watch this particular video. Or if you're inclined to give money, well, then here's some places I vetted. I don't need you to do that. I just want to hear the report when I see you on Christmas, what you did. Now, it wasn't, I wouldn't say that the project was immediately successful. I had one person sit down in the middle of all the, you know, family kind of chaos at Christmas and say, I just wanted you to know that I bought the book and blah, you know, whatever she did. And, um, and I thought it failed, but then in the weeks and months after that, I saw family members engaging with me about things they were hearing in the news and that related to climate change, or if they saw something encouraging, they'd forward me a link or something. And I realized, oh, I don't know that they would have put even that much attention on it had I not asked for that of them. So that was kind of, that was nice. Yes. So we don't have a lot of time, unfortunately, but is there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up? I just love that you're doing these. Thank you very much. I think that they are um, just inspiring and and very helpful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) 